it's cursing okay. and uh so so they say that british comedy is super like it's more intellectual and mm. i love british comedy mm-hmm. but in reality american humor gets a lot of shit because it has cursing it's more sort of abrasive sure or wh- what's the word for it it's in your face and it's much more shorter style yeah as well like last night eddie izzard was doing the history of the fucking world and these longer bits about king someone or other from france of some place it was really interesting and i enjoyed it but yeah this is not just short bits that he's doing yeah like to compare eddie izzard to like dave attell mm. yeah of course they have very different styles but i think to me, it seems, and I'm being prejudiced. I don't know. Be prejudiced. Be answer. <laughs> Fucking tranny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yes, sir. No, no. I only discriminate against unfunny people. Sure. Last <laughs> night, I accidentally called Eddie Zard, sir, and he picked me up on it straight a fucking way. And he's like, I'm not a sir anymore. And I went, you're right. Uh, Eddie. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was, and I didn't notice it. Do I call him madam, ma'am or something? And he was very cool. He was great. Yeah. It, was, it was a nice little moment. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, I have weird moments like that all the time. Mm. Like when I remember it was years ago. And it's not that... Yeah, and Notice how I just said tranny. Yeah. I know it might be like very offensive for some people to hear. I honestly don't mean any offense. It's just that I don't know any better. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> You know, <laughs> as a university-educated, uh, unknown journalist in Estonia, he doesn't know any better. Well, I don't know if known. <laughs> I think, yeah. <laughs> you worked for a newspaper for a while. You I, I worked for a newspaper yeah. for a while. Right. And some of the stuff I wrote did get like a lot of viewers, but to me, it says nothing, because I don't see those people. I never meet those people. I never see those people. I don't even know if they liked what I wrote. Like, mm. maybe they're hating it. And do I, do I put those? Look, maybe. But go back to why you... Uh, so you said you don't know any better. Like, cause I, it's an yeah, interesting I don't know point, any right. better. And I remembered when I was... Like, four years ago when Louis Cutts came Louis touring Katz. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> mm. I, I, like, he's a Jew, mm-hmm. you know. And he just finished... Like, killed in Wilda. This really... Uh, like he has a really straight and narrow style uh-huh. like he doesn't move that much and sure. he, Lu- uh, Louis Katz is an American comedian that came and did our English comedy nights like probably three years ago or something like that yeah he's doing well in US now so mm. he's not gonna come back here <laughs> uh, but yeah I remember he he was accepting his payment for the show from mm. Louis and uh, like I made the obvious hacky joke like oh you accept your payment because like you're like a Jew, you know, and it's not even a good show. It's not even funny. Like no, no yeah, I know. I'm even, laughing at the circumstance. Yeah, not even your regular ecrevoder in a sauna. <laughs> sure. Like after eight beers, he will also say that's a hacky joke. I appreciate the message, <laughs> but it's a hacky joke, and you know that's to repeat again. What I did Louis Katz reply to that? I can't remember. Uh, he just, oh yeah, oh it get got more embarrassing. Right. Yeah, he. Uh, he actually just gave me the courtesy of ignoring <laughs> what I had just said. Sure, letting it go, like, like just, we all do. Yeah. yeah, let's just, he's. I get it, he's an Estonian, he's probably autistic. Mm. That was his inner monologue. Mm. So instead of me backing off, I think, oh, he didn't hear me. <laughs> <laughs> and 
If the joke doesn't work for the first time, <laughs> don't try again. Okay. Unless with a different audience. <laughs> but you tried again with the same audience. I tried again and he ignored again. So okay. we had that like dynamic going. <laughs> uh, we didn't introduce ourselves. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the next episode of Comedy Guy with Louis Zazaran. I'm sorry that it's been two months since I've done uh, an episode. I was very busy and, uh, you know, I'll talk about it. You know, sometimes uh, I'm not feeling it and I should be feeling it. And now I feel like uh, I'm sounding like Mark Maron. So, I wish. So, this is the next episode. And I've got my main man here, uh, Daniel the Mulletbergs Weinbergs. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm good. You're I good. have no mullet. You have no mullet? Yeah. I know. It's, uh, it takes I, time. Uh, yeah, I've grown it for two months. I yeah, think okay. it's just like there's a cap okay. to my uh, 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 hair DNA. <laughs> like... Your body doesn't want the mullet, but you want the mullet. Yeah. Maybe, Fighting like, your body. maybe it's because my body wants me to get laid. <laughs> it might be because of that. <laughs> your dick is down there going, stop it with the hair. Stop yeah. that. Look, that's it. Okay. Yeah, even the cashiers are not smiling. <laughs> they're <laughs> clutching their purses because they're <laughs> behind the register with a purse. What are they doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Daniel. So hey. you're Daniel. And uh, yeah, man. God, we've known each other for a long time. Fuck, man. I remember the first time I met you was uh, like six and a half years ago. Yeah. Tell us. Tell us the story. Yeah. And I, I was 16. <laughs> this is already starting off like it sounds actually, terrible. Actually, the first time I ever uh, saw Luis, you know, from afar, uh, he was uh, performing in uh, Rock Almada School, which is the school I went to uh, on... Uh, like during a class that I wanted to skip, but I'm glad I didn't because uh, uh, the first time I saw live stand up, like I had wanted to do stand up for three years. Mm. At that point, I was <laughs> like told my parents one day I came from school. I said, as soon as I'm done with this uh, high school stuff, I'm just going to leave the country. <laughs> you know, I'm going to leave. And, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, you're not. Sure, whatever. Yeah. And so then I saw you and I sweat through three different uh, layers of shirts because uh. I was like so excited I mean you were bombing oh yeah oh horrible what was I thinking Terrib hey come yeah. and do stand up to some school kids on a, like an afternoon and I was also really sick that day yeah and Rock Almada kids you know uh. just coming off like a cocaine binge <laughs> on a Monday morning <laughs> and then this Louis <laughs> come on stage <laughs> why you come to Estonia and they're like even like even I hated you even though <laughs> I wanted to ask for your help, yeah. uh, but I did. I uh, wrote, raised my hand mm. and I asked, uh, how, do, how, how do I sign up? And you gave me like, uh, you know, a how to and I, m I emailed you and next like two weeks later, I had a set. Mm. Um, and I remember the first time like I formally met you before knock open mic was... Uh, yeah, you, you came in the room with a huge uh, cart full of uh, beers. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, we used to bring those beers into Knockle for yeah, everyone. Yeah, and uh, why ever did we stop? <laughs> oh, no, because the bars give free rings. Yeah, because yeah, cause they get yeah, James remember, used to give us those cases of beers. I'm, I remember your like first interaction with me, a 16-year-old kid, <laughs> was uh, offering me beer. <laughs> hey, you want a beer? <laughs> All right. And uh, that's when it started going downhill. <laughs> so I have Louis Cesaron. So thank for that. <laughs> everything is good and everything is bad is coming from comedy, basically. Yeah. <laughs> All the good things you want to do with your life, but 
all the bad things are also coming from comedy. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's life, man. That is life. And you're there. And now you, here we are six and a half years later and you're performing on big stages and growing your mullet. And well, I'm opening for comedians who are doing big stages. Sure, but let's, still, you're you are opening for that. you're opening for Sander. Sander, who I would argue is you know the best stand-up comedian in Estonia, and yeah. you're his uh, warm-up act. Imagine if you're opening for the best stand-up comedian. America it doesn't even have to be a big country. It could just be like imagine if you're opening for the best stand-up comedian in Zimbabwe, and you still be like, yeah, that's <laughs> great. I'm uh, I'm an opener for that guy. Yeah, you can literally tell you one thoughts. <laughs> But no, uh, I'm. I mean, I. I guess it does say something because in Estonia, uh, like, you can't. The open micers nowadays, and it's mm. like I've thought about it. It's crazy. Soon as you stop doing mics for like three months, which mm. I've never done, but I've done like two months hi- hiatuses mm. from performing, and like in that little short period of time. You can see the like new open micers are as good as we were after f- three years of grinding, because mm. they have, like, because, like, uh, when you're pioneering, mm. uh, uh, like Sander has done a lot of pioneering in a new language to discover how to do stand up. Mm. In Estonian language, it's uh, fucking it's like. There's all those new rhythm combinations. Sure. Uh, your words have to be in right places in the sentences. And all those little nuances mm. is what makes your set complete. Did that? It, um, did a similar thing have to happen when people started to rap in Estonian? Yeah, yeah. That the, the language had to be changed a little bit. Like someone had to work it out. Like this is the way you rap in Estonian or one possible way. And then, then the different guys come out and they're like, here's a whole bunch of possible ways you can rap in yeah, Estonian. Yeah, because a lot of early Estonian uh, rap is imitation of gangster rap. Sure. And so years go past. And what's mo- what's the most popular rap now? The <laughs> like Adi had a great bit about how when our rappers sing about like killing cops and it would be on the news. Mm. It's clearly not happening. So they're lying, you know. And but then uh, it like it evolved mm. into where the most popular rappers are like truthful Estonian life right. rappers. Like they rap about fucking forests and mosquitoes, depression. It's mm. cold, you know all those things that are actually going on in our boring little life here. But you know art is truthful. Right. I was just reading an article today that's saying that even ma- it's looking like that even mainstream rap is going back to those roots. Like it was originally a place where people could talk about their life and the oppressed could talk about where they're coming from and shit. And then rap is sort of morphed into this bling bling. Look how successful I am. Well, as a result of those people who were not very well off, suddenly they became well off. So they wanted to talk about that. You know, you don't know now, you know, says Biggie. But then (laughs) after a while, yeah, I've also edited that (laughs) sentence. But then after a while, now we're getting to like peak bling. And no one wants any more bling bling rap because we're like, great, what do you got? Another fucking Lamborghini? Gives a fuck, you little piece of shit. We can't even understand you these days. And now yeah, I the think trend's there's gone a, back. I think there's a constant tug of war between uh, between like the art, which is uh, imitation of real art uh, that like came to be because of mass production. You know, that's like digital mass pr- production as well. Um, so songs that are being copied here and sold here okay. no no one cares about plagiarism you know 
and uh, I know I, I used to be angry to think that there's some people who uh, so, so, some artists who who get their break easier because it's so easy it would be so easy thankfully we don't have oh jo- okay so if someone got ahead like for whatever reason in whatever field like that you know if, if it was yeah, perceived that they didn't have to grind as hard as everyone else has to grind is that what you mean yeah because every time i see and it doesn't have to be comment it doesn't have to be uh songwriting mm. it can be even uh, like any form of self-expression where someone else's perspective and thoughts have been like what I, I get it that people will still enjoy it, mm. but what does it give you? Uh, like our most awarded uh, cultural deed mm. this year was uh, the memorial for uh, communism victims, which is like... <laughs> I'm waiting to see how you're joining up communist victims to rap music l- that we were just talking about. No, no, about. it's a one of one, one-on-one copy... <laughs> of uh like new york 911 mo- memorial oh right even okay. the names are same uh-huh. on the plates okay they're not the same but they they could be okay you know and so i my, my fist gets a little clenched because every time i see uh someone doing a joke that isn't theirs or doing uh whatever that isn't theirs i always remember me driving to tartu and back to Tallinn. that's a five-hour road and in between doing a six minute just eating a shit sandwich set i've had so many bad sets man mm. i've had a set where someone invites me on and as soon as i walk on stage i drop my beer <laughs> like on the stage <laughs> uh, there's no stage it's just a floor yeah. Merku bar which is an e-cigarette oh, shop now it is rest in peace Merku. uh <laughs> but Old Merkel, I mean. Yeah, yeah, old Merkel before yeah. downstairs. Um, yeah, okay. I think you're. I think there's something to what you're saying. Yeah, I'm. I, I'm uh, sort of coyly trying to uh, segue. Into oh, okay. What we're we're gonna talk about? Uh huh. Uh, which is just go for it. Yeah, I, joke theft. Okay, right. joke theft. Right, that's where we're going with this. So, oh yeah, because we're talking about different artists and, and taking material. So yeah. to back up on that one. Um, <laughs> Because I didn't forget what we were just talking yeah. about. Uh, I think it's your perspective, and I think it's something to do with the mindset of the stand-up comedian, and that is a really different thing. And I think that, like, like the way that most of us, we don't seem to care that much for super commercial success, or we like we want it, but we're not willing to like sell out, sell out, sell out to get there. And then that's kind of an okay situation, yeah. but you have a lot- no idea how many offers I've turned down. Oh, all <laughs> it's in the ones. It's amazing um, that there are other people. Like, if let's say you're an actor, I'm not saying you're a sellout because you're an actor, but maybe you are more used to performing someone else's work. Hey, I'm a singer. That's what I do. I don't have songwriter on my friggin' title. Good, I good. sing songs. You know what I mean? So other, good. we have something different in our mindset yeah, that e- makes e- us e- judge the world differently where the rest of the world isn't like us. Even if you're not being uniquely uh, your self-expressor, mm. uh, you can still do a positive thing. Okay. Like uh, Maya Mez has made people's lives better by like introducing this uh, Western music here. Like They've done genuinely good things but you can't take credit for it. Mm-hmm. You can't say, this is my 
like, uh, all right, I'm going to name drop. Go. I'm going to ma- name drop a Lithuanian. Okay, uh, we're getting it. Let's go into uh, it. Mantas. And, you know, I always tried one. So what happened with uh, Mantas is, uh, well, aside from him being rich and famous. <laughs> so there is. There's, uh, so there's, the, let's say, in, a, in Lithuania, the Comedy Estonia of Lithuania is a group called Humoroklobos. And we're buddies with them. They're cool dudes. We get on tonight, which is the night after Eddie Izzard was in Tallinn. Eddie Izzard's down in Vilnius uh, performing there. And the Humoro Klobos guys and my man Paulius is uh, like looking after that, doing that shit, right? Now, one of those guys or two of those guys, I think kind of from their group, um, really got much larger and much more popular than the rest of the crew. So you can imagine, let's say Sander and Ari got together and they were doing a show and it became like 10 times as popular. Yeah. Like lots, lots more popular, it right? It would be easier to sell than seven comedians. Right. And so those guys ended up splitting off and not in a bad way, but because those guys then went and did like six stadiums in Lithuania. So they got 3.2 million people. So what, you divide that by three to get Estonia. I don't see us doing two stadiums. Yeah. But somehow they've got, you know what I mean? Like how, how the uh, fuck do they have six I, stadiums I in Lithuania? My, my friend who's uh, from England and worked in Lithuania has a theory about how, because proportionately it's insane how uh, popular the comedians are in Lithuania. Mm. Like we think we're popular here, mm. uh, but we're popular within like a pocket of, I think by my gut saying like 80,000 people. Sure. But do you think we're like, they had a few things that really propelled them forward quickly. But do you think we're getting there just at a slower pace? Like there's just like, how is yeah. it? Like, for example, and uh, I don't want to sound too arrogant They're more arrogant susceptible uh, to comedy. But I... No, okay. So I think the Humoral Club is... Okay, my theory yeah, is okay. that... Well, the Humoral Club has got ahead because, like, literally Paulius's like, fifth show was being filmed for television. Yeah, I've heard like, that Like, something also. insane like yeah, that, right? Yeah, Micro's doing a TV spot. All of a sudden, they get picked, like, boom, you guys, yeah. out of out of old school Merkel, yo, da, yo, mullet bugs, you just drop your beer, head over to the TV yeah. station... You got to do a set. That's literally what happened to them. And the miracle is they didn't fuck it up. They yeah. just didn't fuck. Because that's the problem, right? Yeah, they right? had that proper open mic energy. Everybody wants to get somewhere. They want to get signed. They want to go on TV. But whatever you do, if you get on the TV before you, you're still half-baked, everyone's going to think you're a half-baked piece of shit, right? Yeah. Somehow they just survived and people liked it and they got another go and then they got a TV show and then they did like two couple series of that right so they've got this thing that's hugely propelled them forward and they did it like yeah and, and then they as over time they developed and they're you know good comics and they're professional comics and but they kind of were able to fake it enough until they made it artistically yeah I, yeah, I can't imagine the fuck like the pressure right it must be to uh, suddenly like because I I had to do it so long to like keep keep it together mm. when hosting like a seven hundred uh, seater, and by now it seems like how did I not know <laughs> to, to do this? It seems so simple. <laughs> you just go there and you talk, and uh, something this might happen, that might happen, and then you get off and it's f- done in fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. But I've only, I can do those things because I've done the other things five hundred times. Like I've done the small uh, Mökus, uh, op- other 
I, uh, I, I think a little over 400 sure. times. You've dropped the now. beer 400 times. Yeah, yeah, every time. But <laughs> I did it masterfully <laughs> in the end. But now I'm, what I'm saying is now I'm sort of like ready mm. when those opportunities come. But to imagine being on television yeah. after five open mics. I didn't know shit after five what open mics. What the hell could have we done? But somehow they did it. Somehow they didn't fuck it up enough. Yeah. And they made it through. So I think part of it is this that they had that huge leap at the start, right? Because I think, like right now, I, I think we're in a really good phase right now. And I think that YouTube is really popping for us right now. Like a lot of people I talk to are like, God, every fucking time Comedy Stone is in my suggested videos. You know, yeah. the next is always suggested this, suggested that. Which is the new TV. Absolutely. So we're all over that shit, right? Deliberately, that's why we're all over that shit. Because it's the it's place. Actually, but I think, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think that we're building to a similar level of popularity. I feel like we're doing enough good stuff. Like, how is it that for some reason, without us doing, I wouldn't know, we've done a lot of work, but why is it that we can film Comtili open mic in Aparari Keskus on a Monday, any Monday? Where are these people coming from? It's un- like, I love it. I'm amazed by it. And it's beautiful. But in my world, I, I still have that reality check and go, where, where are these people coming I don't understand where these people are coming from. Well, they have nowhere else to go. <laughs> but I, re- I, I think that's one of the reasons, because... Uh, like, Why doesn't... Uh, it, no, that don't, don't use... You know that's a dumb reason, because no, there no, is... No, no, any not, other cultural group no, could no, then no, be... Yeah, I'm not saying that... Like, no one would come if the shows would suck. Okay. But, but also... The re- one reason why in Lithuania also they reached uh, so much success so mm. quickly, they were there first. Right. And so, like, and there's a comedy scene in every country, but imagine, like, inventing that wheel in that country. Dude, we did that? We yeah, not, we did. Were you not yeah. there for that bit? Right, yes. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, but did. yeah, we did that, that, that as well. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's what I'm saying. And so, yes. <laughs> all of us that are in these new countries, mm. doing this new uh, thing, inventing our rules, mm. it's like a... Black Mirror episode, honestly, like every story is the same, yeah, but it's a little different. You, you get to tell an op- open micer there's a rule: the fourth comedian buys drinks for everyone, <laughs> and they just have to accept it, <laughs> you know. Uh, but what really is amazing is that uh, we like there, there's a legitimate scene here in Estonia. Uh. Uh, we might not be as popular as. Uh, you know, Humoras Klubas is in Lithuania. Mm. Uh, but I, I'm not actually being fair to them because what they do is also amazing. They do great, absolutely. Yeah. Just different situations, yeah. But, I mean, look, there's, there's different things. Also, again, we have a much smaller country. Yeah. and a, Which means a much smaller, low, lower limit of what you can earn and what you can do and all that stuff. So, some perspective there. But, but it's it, not so bad. But it is very weird to think how... Uh, I haven't seen, like, uh, I remember the first three years or two years or so that we did the shows and we were still, uh, uh, I mean, you were still figuring out yeah. the system. We all I, I was ju- no, I was just a clueless 16-year-old, yeah. you know, as they are. And I just remember, like, every evening you would host and Sander would close. <laughs> and if there was no Sander or uh, you... Mm. Like there's no show. We were fucked. Yeah, we were fucked. Like going to Villandi, all those shows mm. uh, that I- in the first three years at least were uh, <laughs> single-handedly held up by like uh, 
three people mm. uh but but then slowly like other skill levels of other comedians started to match up mm. and so thankfully now we're in this situation where like a car full of comedians can die in a car crash <laughs> which i've i fantasized okay. uh, not not like doing the car crash <laughs> but what would happen because very often right now when we're uh driving with sander mikael uh, Roger. Okay, we got to have some presidential style protocols in place that they all yeah, can't yeah, be yeah. in the same car at once. What if uh, the car crashed? Mm. Uh, who will step up? Because do you think we should do that? We should be like, no, Mikhail and Sandra have to travel in different cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what? <laughs> a, 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 everyone else is replaceable, <laughs> right? But yeah. wh- what you were saying though, uh, and it uh, otherwise it's gonna be stand up with Ellen and Toots. <laughs> I remember. Hello. That's what that's that was actually Sanders line. Uh, Ellen and Toots. Yeah. Um. But like, yeah, what you were saying before, and and it, we had to work out the system. And let me tell you, my life, I am so much happier now that we've basically worked out the system. It's been a hustle. It's been a, like now that we know, like you said, the rules, right? And I don't mean rules like do this or do that, but scenes and systems have procedures and rules, right? About how you kind of do your thing. And we've kind of worked that out enough that the, we kind of know. And so now we're just touching the edges, fixing bits, fixing that. Oh, we need to fix that. Let's fix that. Where before there was like huge gaps yeah. in kind of what the ladder, the ladder for, from for, open mic to whatever the top, right? Yeah, for the first uh four years i think of the whole comedy estonia timeline because mm. i've been with you guys six and a half but you've been doing it for like 10 is it now it's maybe nine nine okay Some, anyway let's have a few more years than you yeah, yeah but for me mm. for the first couple of years uh every bus ticket every uh, hostel stay you financed yourself uh so if you wanted to do stand-up in tartu actually actually get good because you need to do a lot of spots to know what you're doing eventually. So you have to drive to different cities all the time, like four times a week if you have to. Because uh, when you compare people to who live in New York, they have such a, an advantage. Mm-hmm. So for, for the first uh, years of our scene, you had to pay for all that shit. And then like a simple solution came by. Hey, let's. there's all those people coming to those shows. How about they just throw some money in the bucket mm. and we finance and now open micers get to travel wherever they want and it's all financed. That that bucket system, I think the the way that we have the and the, by the bucket we mean when you come to an open mic show and uh, we don't charge you the entry, but we stand at the doorway in the end and, and ask for a donation. And I, I think that is one of the biggest things that has affected uh, us today. It, it, it's like Rome deciding to build roads. <laughs> because it was, yes, it was because it, it, it gave us huge reform. Open mic, <laughs> uh, people could come, but it, it still put a value on free. So it's yeah. free. We want you to be free. We want you to come. You guys are great. Come along. We're not trying to stop you, but we still put a value on it. But this is the ironic thing that uh, we learnt this by going to Edinburgh Fringe. And yeah. this system, and if people you don't know, if you've been to an open mic, this is how we do bucket. 
and we asked for the donation at the end. And we learned how to do this because this is the system at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which is the one of the biggest or the biggest festival in the world, but definitely yeah, biggest 5, comedy festival. Shows. And there's this thing called Free Fringe, which is exactly this. You don't have to pay rent, so you get a free bar gig um, as long as you can't charge the ticket. And you can only ask for money at the end. And me and Carl and a, a few of us went there and we saw our friends who had been visiting here and we saw them uh, do the bucket. And like I, I think it was uh, Christian Schulter Law, the tall German guy. He really taught us about, and this is when you introduce the bucket and then you do, you do the main bucket speech before the headliner because you don't want to do it afterwards. Yeah. You do an auxiliary bucket speech after the headliner real fast. Always end on a joke. Like he had it down to a German fucking science. Yeah, and we fucked it up for the first couple <laughs> of years at least because to do the bucket, like, uh, and it wasn't just that nobody came up with it in the first years. You couldn't do it in the first years because uh, to ask for money for doing whatever, like if you're a juggler, and you say, so if you like my juggling, uh, put some euros in the hat mm -hmm. or whatever. And then you just juggled with one pin, <laughs> you know, no one's going to throw anything in there mm -hmm. and you should be ashamed for us. So you money. don't, you don't think we were good. Or do you think like, this is the, 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 the same thing has happened now with the uh, Latvian guys that I was like, guys, just do the bucket. It's great. Here's what you do. You get a bucket, you fucking talk about it. And then you stand at the door and you do it and you get the money. It's great. And uh, they weren't doing it. And they were hiding backstage and like they had to nominate one shit kicker guy oh, okay. whose job was to go around yeah, and do you it. Own it with the and team. he didn't want to do it. And yeah. I understood. Okay, yeah, we... Uh, that I think has been one of the harder things for me because somehow maybe because I'm a Westerner, I kind of intrinsically just got it more. Like, yeah, sure. Do I'm going to stand there and ask think, for a donation. Do you think people feel weird after the show when the comedians uh, like go next to the door? And you just have to pass through the wall of shame. <laughs> if they do, honestly, no one's ever told me. Okay. Like no one's ever admitted that to me, if that's true. I can understand. Maybe people feel weird for a moment or a second or something. We always try super hard to say like, uh, thank you for coming. Yeah, yeah Not yeah. your money, but if you give money, thank sure. you for that too. When I'm, when I'm depressed, when I'm having bad times in my life and I'm All at right, the so door. Always. So always. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I, I get angry. I sometimes feel like, oh, come on, bro. Come on. You couldn't even put in a euro, which is the wrong attitude to have. It's right. the wrong way to do. And I understand that means I'm usually in a shitty mood and obviously I keep my mouth shut. But yeah, when we, you got to own that and you've got to say, you've got to be proud of that. And I don't think I understood culturally how different it was for you guys to do that. Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to sound better or nothing, but just I was doing like theater groups in Australia, Western culture. We're like, yeah, give us the money. Come on. Yay. Fucking Hare Krishna, give us the money. Right. doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Where I could just over time, it's like again and again, like, because that's what amazes me that I feel like there's this system that we've shown, which is called the bucket donation, which is our system is we want to give you stuff for free because we appreciate you coming. And we the, the secret is we want to perform. The secret is actually we want to do all these open mics, yeah. right? Yeah, because um, it's all beneficial to us. It's all beneficial like, to us, but it has this really nice side effect that loads of people want to come. So the open mic is the rainbows. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> doing like the theaters, doing mm. theaters with tested material—that's the pot of gold. Okay, at the end. Uh, yeah, uh, I want to know why. 
hasn't. Like, I feel like we've really clearly shown this, that bucket donation system works. Yeah. You give to people, you put a value, they had a low barrier to entry, but they still put value on it. You, it means shit like you don't have to run security. You don't have to sell tickets. Like you can just, you can do it outdoor. We just do any outdoor fucking field or whatever. It doesn't matter. We don't need a fence to keep people in. Yeah. We just walk around and go, yo, can we, afterwards, can we have some money? And I, I, I feel like we've really validated this idea and I'm, I, I get weirded out because no one's copied exactly. it. Exactly. And I'm like, everyone copies everything yeah. here. So why yeah, hasn't and, anyone and copied th- this? That's actually one of those things, uh, things you should copy. Yes. So, like next, wh- whoever you are, mm. uh, who's pointing a finger at, uh, at at like Comedy Estonia that uh, like we're doing well, and that's why anyone else is not doing well. <laughs> no, it's because you charge money for an open mic. You ask for people to buy tickets. I'm not gonna name who, but you know who you are, <laughs> and you shouldn't you shouldn't do that because you t- that's not how you build. Uh, trust mm. and a relationship with people who come to see you like it's very good short term I imagine to do six minutes and put like 35 euros uh, in a po- pocket I've done that yeah it's fun you go home you feel like you're a pro but yeah if you if you really wanted to <laughs> like want to mm. be our comp- competition no. and I want that to happen I want there to be competition mm. because that's when everyone gets better because right now there's competition within Comedy Estonia, and anyone who says there isn't, like, I, how do you become good? Right. <laughs> like it's, it's pretty healthy, healthy. competition. It's, a healthy it's, it's pretty healthy, I think. Yeah, but you want to be the funniest guy yeah. in the room. Yeah. Why are you doing it otherwise? <laughs> Just for some Zen reasons? All right, go fuck yourself. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to share all the, like, any, any secrets. Uh, why why people are coming to the shows? One yeah. reason is be very good friends with Sandro Igus, <laughs> and other is put up a lot of free stuff. But and is it that thing that like it is just so? Is it just that it's just so fucking hard to do that free thing for you guys? Like is that it? Like that it's just no one wants to do that thing. Uh, who was or anyone else? Like why hasn't anyone else done that system? Like. You've just got to stand there and be really thankful and say, thank you very much. I'm really, I'm very happy. That I know how here. many free shows are there. Well, exactly. All right. I, I, I legitimately don't know. I don't, I don't think there is. I don't know. Maybe. Rutukum. No, I'm not bagging on those guys, but those guys always have a few euros entry. I think, I think they're fine. They're cool dudes, right? <laughs> yeah. No, Rutukum are uh, legit. They're super legit. I tell you why I think they're super legit. Rutukuma. Rutukuma are a uh, improv group and they're doing some cool stuff. And they've got like studios. They've got one in Tartu, one in Tallinn. They run workshops. Um, they do different improv nights all around the place. The reason I think they're cool is because they are following the international formula of improv. Yeah, which is what we're doing also. With stand-up. So we, as stand-ups, right, we look at Rutukuma and we go, oh my God, I'm running a fucking workshop. What the fuck? I ain't doing that thing, right? But that's not our place. They, if I look at you, know, we are doing what stand-ups do. They are doing what improvers do. Yeah, fucking right on, cool. Like you're you're doing it in the way in that art form style, and that's what improvers do. They run workshops to make their money. That's how they make money. They have a studio. They get together. They all sing and dance and do their bloody short forms or whatever. And fucking right on. Yeah, they. 
like and nothing that we do is really that new like nothing that nuplo is doing is that new we're all following some global trend trend what you do within it is original but overall uh yeah you just look at how are the people who are at the top of the world uh in this field doing it and see what you can copy and implement here not jokes but like methods mm. how do you train how do you get better at at stand up this is one of the areas that i'm struggling with right now in the crew i want to help the crew grow um to give everyone a little backstory about how we're organizing each other in comedy estonia so we've got like you know our bunch of top notch serial killers up top we got daniel there we got sander mikhail ari ardo carl rauno roger all serial killers doing great and we're working on the next crew. We've got the open micers who are more new comedians. They're working on their shit. They're coming up. And I'm trying to help those guys as well. And one of the ways that we're helping them, um, because the problem is that what do you do when the top is really populated, right? You got some heavy hitter serial killers up top. It can be hard to get stage time. Um, you know, when you got to compete I with mean, seven. Just be better. Than right. But they are being better. So but, but you can't be like, but they're one year in. Yeah. You can't expect to be better than... Of course, you're not better than Roger, who's, you know... Of course, you're not I, better I mean, than Ardo. I mean, uh, Roger came along uh, three years after me. Mm -hmm. And, like, a year later, uh, I got left out of two tours that he went to. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I think uh, the comedians who uh, do it thoughtfully... Like, it's not just about putting in time. It's not just about putting in effort. It's also about putting in attention. What what are you really, like, doing? Is what you're doing effective? And the comedians, like Sander, uh, has an unbelievably logical way of doing his work. You know, he has everything planned out. He has planned out, the nec like, the next uh, six specials. Yeah. He knows exactly how many mi mics he has to do a month. He knows, it, like... He starts playing this, and you do those plannings also as an open micer. What do I want right now? Do I want to build five minutes? All right, do that. If you can actually put together a 10-minute set that is funnier than my 10-minute set right now, mm. you can go on tour in f instead of me. Mm. It has happened. Like, I've been... There's no uh, uncle-son policy here. Yeah. Like, you don't you don't get special privileges... I mean, it does help that we all know each other for a long time because there's trust and all that stuff. Mm. But when it comes to the question who com goes on tour and who doesn't, uh, <laughs> and I know this because this has been made very clear to me, <laughs> uh, your skills mm. will be the one, like the thing that matters. It was a uh, a tough time for you in the middle, wasn't it? That I mean, there was that because let's like keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, that in this dynamic that we have in this group that we have at Comedy Estonia, Daniel pointed out that uh, in you know for for a little bit in the middle of his career, you know he was unsure of his direction as much as you know, look you know unsure of where he's going, and his comedy was suffering due to his intense workload, and you know due to what we have, uh, the sort of meritocracy that meant that. Daniel didn't get a certain number of spots on, you know, good spots on big tours. But guess who was the dude who had to tell him that news? This little black duck. Because that's Ooh. me delivering that oh, news to oh, you, yeah. right? I, I mean, I had... Uh, I'm the one I had, who I had, I had to tell you. Like, I had no. suspected, like, because I have, I have no illusion about 
my level of like maybe everywhere in else I'm delusional <laughs> but I know I know I know at uh, the level I'm at mm. as a stand up you know so uh at that time I had uh suspected that I've not been doing that many mics I have like I have this nervous energy on stage uh all those things I had suspected I don't have a, a stronger 10 minutes than uh many other comics mm. so uh I got left out and, and that's something just that's a good thing you know uh because I was actually pampered by the fact that I ha was uh, used to going on every every tour for like four years I had been part of everything that video we did a so uh, duo show we together. did that's right yeah, we did uh i did 25 you did 40 minutes <laughs> yes, was yes. supposed to be 25 25 <laughs> i've done duo show with mikael i've done <laughs> all those th so i was so used to just getting mm. uh and i was not uh i was not being honest with myself uh who are really feeling th this like whose work is really shining, you know, with uh, big laughing audiences and whatnot. Uh, and then when I got left out of the tour, I realized that you you actually have to like put something on the table. Mm. And then I put together my hour because I had been doing it for mm. uh, four, five years at that point. I keep saying how long I've been doing it. Sorry if I'm that's annoying. I really, guys. No, because I'm trying. I'm, really to, I'm, I'm trying to put together a uh, timeline in okay. my head, but now I figure it's not. Mm. Some time ago, sure. then I thought about okay, so I'm not going on tour. Maybe I can put something of myself, like put. I I have been doing it for a while. I have material, so I put together Kohatu uh, the hour, and I think by now I've done it like seven times. But because I, and like, first three at least were pretty sucky, I think. Sure. I think <laughs> that, like, before we go on to your hour, I yeah. think that, uh, like, we talked about the learnings that we've had along the way, right? Sorry, can and I summarize what I just okay, said? Okay, yes, with, uh, Like, what I meant to say is that the worst thing that happens in your uh, career, or career in quotes, whatever you want to call it, uh, is actually the, it can be the best thing that happens to you. Mm -hmm. Because as soon as you stop being comfortable, uh, you get better. Yeah. Right. Which is, I think, this uh, the way that you accepted that and you understood that with humility, and you 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 got that as well. And that's not easy thing. It still doesn't mean it's an easy thing to like fucking you know live through, right? Yeah. But that you the way that you, you saw that egos. and that yeah, absolutely that you uh, accepted with humility, I think, was an excellent example for everybody else. And that shit that we were talking about before, about like in the beginning, we didn't know what the fuck was fuck, right? So you've got this nothing and we're making procedures out of nothing, right? And we don't know what's right. And one of the big ones was how entitled are you for the next show if you've yeah. always been there? And it took us a while to work that out to, you know, to be like, no, you don't always get that entitlement yeah and you have to deal with some people who do believe they're entitled and you know me, me as well right i had to deal with my own entitlement of like you know like these days if i want to spot an open mic i walk up to mr Hostman rauno and i have to ask for a spot at the open yeah, mic you I know mean, right you, you will get it yeah <laughs> well okay no, fine. no one will bite sure, the hand no one's good at that. <laughs> no. but you know but you still gotta you know like uh so we had to work that shit out in the beginning right and and i think that was one of the important ones 
yeah. that you set an example that everyone saw that because I think the, the and the best part was like you said you went away and you weren't gonna fucking go and cry in the corner and you went I'm gonna work on my hour instead yeah, I'm gonna yeah. work on something that I, I can work I on I actually remember uh, like you said I accepted it with uh, humility <laughs> and like I did to you but <laughs> <laughs> there were some passive aggressive car rides <laughs> to open mics where I'm like Daniel why are you putting off this energy I'm like oh Huh, so we're friends, you say, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and I actually remember I got like pissed drunk mm. after open mic, like when I found out I'm not going on tour. And we were uh, driving back to Tartu, and uh, Sander and I uh, got uh, out of the car to take a piss. And I remember like I pissed next to him. And, uh, and then I'm like mumbled to him, like, I'm playing the long game. <laughs> And, Classy. And, uh, you know, I was. And you and are. I, zing, I, zing, I, zing, I zing. still am. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's good because uh, lear- learning how to, uh, uh, like the responsibility yeah. of uh, headlining a show. Like you have the power to screw up 50 people's nights. <laughs> it's insane. Uh, also, like I had no business doing an hour four years into doing comedy. But like we said before, we make the rules, yeah. so you can. Mm. And I did. And by the end of it, yeah, I felt like that's a special we can film. And we did. Yeah. And now we're here. <laughs> so yeah, you gotta you gotta you gotta fall out of the frying pan, you know. Because there was that time. I mean you needed that time to work on your set and yeah. but also work on yourself a bit as well. Yeah, I had the- I, I actually had such like uh, anxious times. Because that's a mistake I always do. I try try to do uh, multiple things uh, at once. You do. You love but, doing that. But you can't do it well. Mm. You can't do anything well. I had uh, I had I did journalism. I did uh, stand up. I also did school allegedly, you know. <laughs> and then yeah, eventually you end up doing everything shit. You think everything works on the calendar, mm. but you yeah. I had such a like a nervous nervousness going on. Because uh, there was no end to the fucking bullshit, you know. Uh, I actually, I legitimately had to write down my jokes on cue cards. I remember that when you, yeah. and that was so, but that was such an interesting thing to do. It was different enough that it was interesting, even though I can see what it was yeah. like a, a procedure or a process for you. Because I was using it like a sh- shield. I didn't trust mm. my memory even anymore. I was like a, a mess in my head. And like slowly, because I still, I had to get on stage because I knew if I, if I start giving myself, oh, just don't perform this time and next time and next time, uh, then, then like there's legitimate reasons to worry. And mm-hmm. uh, so I had to keep doing it and slowly, but surely I got back into the performing mindset, uh, which is like, you can be the most famous comedian in the world. You can be uh, uh, super good you can be bill burr louis ck if you have five five bad nights in a row you <laughs> you lose all the confidence you had like like when a boxer a champion sometimes loses two times oh they're out so we, we build a flow I believe yeah. that. Like I believe I'm out of the flow, but I'm trying to pull myself back in. Like when I was doing those last flurry of podcasts through uh, January and February, 
I was in a flow and I was in, I was writing stand up and I was doing that. And then boom, the, the work comes down and all this stress kind of hit me again. Yeah. And I, it was like, I'm, I'm out. Ah, I fell out of the boat and uh, I got to climb back into the boat again. And one of them is to come back, get back on the podcast. Yeah. And just try again. De- definitely good way. Like you, you, you can't get back to where you were immediately. Yeah. Right. But, when you, yeah. You got to build back up to it again, which is the yeah. frustrating part of it. That you can't just, like this creativity that we have, this thing that we work on, this ability that is half magic, half discipline. Yeah. Uh, that That's we, a good way of saying it. Half <laughs> magic, half discipline. <laughs> that you can't... Yeah, I surprised that. <laughs> you can't just turn it on. You have to work at it and work at it every day and put more and more in and then it builds up. And it's so fucking frustrating if you... And you know that if you let it go, it can be such a fragile thing. Yeah. Yeah, the, again, the half magic, half discipline <laughs> thing. Because when you're forcing yourself to do something, that's not when the magic happens. But you still have to force yourself for the magic to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, okay, you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah, I hear. You. Uh, Otherwise, right? Because that's part of me. My thing for the last two months, haven't sitting down and written anything. Not really. Like, but if I don't sit down, like, of course, if I don't sit down with a pen in my hand. Stand up will never come out, duh. Yeah. The only way that it will come out is if I sit there with a pen in my hand or at the computer ready to, t- or doing that thing, whatever it is. Yeah, m- most bits I write happen after I write. And uh, because I'm in the mindset of uh, thinking about material all, all the time when I'm on the street, whatever, I try to see every situation as a funny situation, which uh, is super annoying to the people in my personal life. But uh, you know that that's what, what that's what you gotta do, you know. Uh, and yeah, you you gotta get in that mindset to write. Uh, if there's any like open micers uh, listening, it's uh like it's not just sitting down an evening before the open mic and writing your shitty thoughts. It's about a- accepting uh, comedy from the universe oh. at the, uh, at all time. I know it sounds deep. But fuck it, it's true. Yeah, you have to, uh, <laughs> you have to be open to there funny things. You have to be able to, yeah, give yourself to the comedy universe and trust that the comedy universe is going to deliver it back to you. Like Ari had to go to Canada and just trust that his skill will be able to do it. I think it takes a uh, rest in a, peace. Rest in peace. There's a certain. Um, <laughs> resoluteness like you just know and, and that's how i know when i see a real stand-up comedian like you're like okay when are you an open mic blah 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 and when you a fucking comedian when do i go like you're a comedian it's yeah. when i can see that when i can sense not even see when i can sense the thing that you know what you want and i get it that you're like now you're a comedian you know what you want and that's what we're gonna do and when i and, and i can't even describe like how is that different from arrogance? How is that different from some kid just saying stuff, right? I can just get a sense now of like, all oh, right, you're really serious about this. You really want to do this. Uh, yeah. You're really resolute about this and you are willing to give up these three amazing things yeah. and not even give it up. You seemingly don't even give a shit yeah. about these really important things like money or career or a yeah. place or all kinds of stuff, <laughs> right? It's not even that you're like, oh, oh, my things, I must give you yeah, away. Yeah. But I for, for my no. first true love is stand up, my dears. No, <laughs> it's like a just a lack 
of yeah. empathy that these things could be good at all. Yeah. It's that the you, you only can, thing it, is stand-up. It can make you jaded. Like, because even when what, whatever is happening in your life and you just, oh, it's so fucked or whatever, when it's five minutes before a set, you focus on that. And when you're on stage, you only focus on that. And no, no matter how bad uh, things are, after you come off stage, after doing well on stage, you you get that uh, feeling of healing. You like, you feel like this is this is why everything else happened. So I could put that into art mm. and uh, create this moment that uh, people maybe some people see it and in, inspires an idea in their head, and they're gonna fucking you know invent the cancer medication. It's very cath- uh, uh, cathartic. Yeah, it's, it's a really yeah, big English catharsis. word. And you can get addicted yeah. to catharsis as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I think there's a... When, when, when it comes to comedians... Um, yeah, Like we said, like uh, we have fragile egos. I think less now than before. Like Yeah, okay, okay that's fair. We, we are less difficult to deal with. Yeah. But uh, some of us, me included, used to be a little difficult to deal with, you know... There's loads of factors, not just Lo- your being loads a dick. Of factor, there's age, there's maturity, there's how far we've come. Yeah. Like, it's when you understand that you're getting somewhere, then you can probably chill. Because you're like, cool, I understand. If I keep working at this, it's working. It's yeah. that first phase when you're just grinding and hustling and you have no fucking idea whether this is ever going to get you anywhere. Yeah. That is the crazy zone. Yeah, okay. That... And no, the crazy zone also, I think, is because of the nature of this uh, of this job, which is being in front of people, being a spokesman, a talking head in front of all those people, and getting uh, recognition. Like when a, a crowd laughs wholeheartedly at something you said and gives an applause to approve of what you said. Do you really feel different from a Roman emperor <laughs> waving to the crowd <laughs> when there's rose petals falling and pigeons <laughs> flying? Do you? It's it's not that different. Sure. Like uh, us and the Roman emperor are no wired. No, but the biological. Okay. Yeah. Right, like right. how it affects your brain mm. to have this constant flow of uh, admiration and love and all those things thrown at you. Oh. It can make you. Uh, this is why sometimes I feel I got into comedy a little too young. Like there were there were things that were gonna happen I wasn't ready for. You know, I I feel some of the older comedians have a head head start just in life. You know, they they know how to deal with um, with all this dopamine basically. Okay, you know, yeah. it can get. Okay, the attention is really hard to deal with. Yeah. And it's not like, oh my God, we're such superstars in Estonia. Like, just swear to God, two girls looking at you is more than enough attention for me. Yeah, like, that's I when go, you think I made it. I'm a fat little I kid. I made it, yeah. Fat little 102 kilogram kid growing up in like yeah. Australia, right? Like, two hot girls look at me, I lose my goddamn bananas. Yeah, because we know we're pieces of shit yes. at heart. Yeah. At heart, like what thrives <laughs> us is the fear, the knowledge that we're not good enough because we're not. <laughs> you know, we're really not. And so, so, so we're doing this thing and it's crazy and it's unsure, but, you know, wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. It is very cathartic. And I, 
like in the last two months where I haven't, I, I've written some new stuff about five new minutes or something. It's all right. I, you know, I like it. I like it. I like this new material that I'm writing. I'm not writing a lot of it, but I like it yeah. more than my old shit. It's more like it's still about Estonia and shit because I can't not talk. That's just my life. So the difficulty for me is I don't want to do the hacky shit like, oh, Estonians, I like this. Russians, I like this. Um, but on the so on the other hand, my life is Estonia. That's yeah. I am the outsider here. You so, have a different perspective. Right. So I still want to talk about that. So I've got to find a way to talk about that without being a hacky piece of shit. Yeah. So I think I'm getting somewhere with that. But that, even though I haven't really seriously been in the stand-up two months now, when I do those sets at Uxkoik... Um, that is pure catharticism for me. Yeah. Because I sit on that chair. It's a very special room. It is. I can... Uh, Uxkoik is one of our open mics in Old Town and it's Don't really tell them small. it's a secret. It's a secret. It's a secret one. Only I'm only telling you guys, all right? No one else. Yeah. And it holds like 30 people. We're going to have four extra people come. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Double the audience. <laughs> yeah. And it's only 30 people and even that is sometimes not even the full 30 and it's yeah. great. And There's no pressure. So many of the comedians, all of us think that's our favorite place to do it. It's small and intimate. You're connected with people. There's no pressure. Um, it's like, cause that thing, like we super, super appreciate that everyone comes. I fucking love it. Um, but it's not the most pure open mic experience when you've got to yell over 200 like kahunas at heel pubby. Like when yeah. Hugh is going off in the summer and Ari Mati has just slayed the audience for 15. He's just demolished that room and just caused yeah, he, 200 he, he, he savages to lose their minds, yeah. right? That, if you follow that, that's not open mic, baby. That, that, that's actually what literally what happened <laughs> during the first filming of Kohatu. Because uh, Ari was opening for me in Wongral. Mm. There was uh, 120 people uh, Yevgeny Osinovsky yes. <laughs> was in the crowd. Yeah. I had we heard, it. yeah. You might have mentioned it once or twice, <laughs> bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I keep mentioning. I mean, <laughs> then Ari, I, I was under like uh, just headlining is uh, like a lot of pressure, especially the first times you do it. Mm. I, I guess you'll get used to it like anything in life, but uh, <laughs> I remember. I would, I would like so much pressure because it's also filming. There's uh, costs there, uh, personal investment, basically from a poor person. Uh, and then Adi goes up and fucking murders. <laughs> I mean, he, <laughs> the crowd goes uh, into a delirium, you know, to start shitting their pants. <laughs> uh, I think a couple of people died. Yeah, I think so. And he comes, you know, off stage. And I look at Ari like, you piece of shit. You know what you did. <laughs> you know what you did. He, he was such an asshole. <laughs> Doing that, I would never do that <laughs> to anyone. If, I, like, if I'm at that level where I can <laughs> like, just kill with no questions. Mm. Go out there with, like they would tell. And it was someone else's like chance. <laughs> I would never kill harder them because you know i shit my pants later that <laughs> that evening it wasn't bad no no i know but, what you mean but, it's hard right yeah. but there's nothing worse than okay bombing if you bomb in front of 120 people mm. uh at least you get a story 
you know, I bombed. It was complete silence. Oh, but you did okay. Which I is did okay. In the middle, yeah, I did okay. Well, sure. So but I had no story. Well, look, I mean, and nothing the, I want to upload. In the in the long run, this is all part. But that of was your the story. first. Right. Th- that was the first filming. Yeah. The other filming we mentioned, we did it uh, again. Uh, this time it went super smoothly. I'm super happy with it, mm. and I'm gonna upload it to uh, YouTube sometime. So how much of that? So yeah. So so then it was like a year or something in between. Was it more than that? Yeah, yeah, a year, a year. It was a year year. in between. Yeah. And uh, Daniel just made like huge progress in that year. Like, towards like stepping up. There was a huge step up to what he was doing in his act, and he fixed up himself, and and, and his act was going fucking great. And it was like legitimate. Like, that that first special was no longer a reflection of the comedian you are at that time. And then when you said, let's film it again. And we had to talk for a bit, but we yeah. worked it out, like because it made sense that the the artistic bit made sense, right? You were that I could see you were that much different. Yeah, because uh, you. That's that's the thing. Like I've been doing <laughs> doing it for so long. People, oh, but, oh, look at me! But I, I have nothing of me online mm. because uh, any anything we filmed of me, I've never liked it. But that's the neuroticism. Like you, you, you have, because you know this when you watch yourself perform. You know this when your pinky is moving wrong. <laughs> like when your pinky is twitching mm-hmm. during your punchline, you wanna kill yourself. You wanna, <laughs> you wanna, you wanna grab a knife from the table and stab yourself I- for being a hack with your v- vibrating pinky. <laughs> you know. Uh, All the worst comedians have. The, I've got the oh no, <laughs> the vibrating yeah. pinky of death. Yeah, but but that that's what it like. Ta- you got you, you gotta be super analytical, and you gotta notice the, because it's such random things that can make you less funny. Mm. Like if you tell a joke, and while you tell that joke, you fidget the mic stand. Yeah, you touch the mic stand. What are you doing? The crowd is looking at you doing this. They're not even hearing your shitty Savizar joke. <laughs> uh, or you just get the pacing wrong or the yeah. timing wrong of the joke or you just mispronounce one vowel, but that was a super... Instead of car, you say, and it just takes people out of that moment. Yeah. They're in the moment and then they're, they're lost. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's such a... Like, there's such a skill curve mm. to stand up like you can never stop really improving at it and you can get bad at it really quickly if you stop doing it it is it's so easy to drop out of that flow and so yeah. easy to it has happened to you it has happened mm. to me mm. uh, many times i've had times where for 4 months i don't write anything good and it's not that i don't try i try every na- uh, like every open mic i try new material but there's nothing i want to put into a theater set uh but you know, eventually sort of figure out, oh, how how can you arrange your life in a way? What are the moments in life where material comes? Is it when you've been a lazy piece of shit all day and then you force yourself to write? No, it's when you wake up at a reasonable time, you uh, eat healthy, you know, you work out, you clear your head, you clean your room. Uh, I know I'm turning into Jordan Peterson here, but... (laughs) When, no, it's good. It's but, half, I remember when, half, yeah, half discipline, when, half magic. Yeah, but when, when all that stuff is done and your head is clear, and you've done the shit you know you're supposed to do, 
that's when the magic ha- starts happening mm. in your head. You freed your brain from all these excess cobwebs, and suddenly it says, "Oh, this uh, this line I wrote just now, oh, it's actually very closely connected to a bit I had uh, years ago. I can connect them now, and bam! Suddenly you have an like, you just." I mean, for me at least, it is. My, yeah. my, my my brain starts doing comedy automatically. You need the discipline to yeah. kickstart that. So you need the flow, you need the artistic, but you the, the discipline is like the kickstarter motor that you need to push through that, that makes you sit down, that makes you pick up the pen, that makes you write down those ideas. Because like I, I've noticed that I have diff- I have kind of two distinct modes of writing. One is idea generation and the other one is editing. Yeah. And I can do... What I can do, I can fall into the trap sometimes of going home, having a little smoky dog, and then doing a lot of idea generation, maybe some reasonable ideas coming out of there, but you never sit down and do the next part, the idea editing, which is taking that, maybe you've written out some bit of it, half of it, an idea, whatever, then you got to take that and write that into your bit. Yeah. And I wasn't doing, even that wasn't enough, because you're like, yeah, I got all these, it's great, I got these yeah. notes, I've been doing the comedy... But you got to stop eventually, and that even that's a switching. That when you're doing ideas editing, I think it's a more logical version of your brain. That's where, when you're in ideas creation, you're like, oh, what is the free spirits? Oh, I'm connecting this yeah. thing and that thing and all that. And certainly, when you're editing and writing stuff in the editor, yeah, you start to be free thinking. You're coming up with connections, but you're employing much more f- formula in there much more structure much more this is how the stand-up rhythm goes because there is a little bit of mathematics to it there is a little bit of flow and rhythm right it's very it has it like comedy also has to do with maths yeah there's for some reasons some ways of saying something are funnier yeah but you don't actually have to even abide by those rules you can be you can do something I don't know, it's just, I'm not going to get into how uh, versatile stand-up can be. Like, when we go, when I went to Edinburgh Festival for the first time, that's where I sort of realized what, what an, because we look at ourselves here, and uh, we all have our famous comedians, Mm -hmm. and uh, subconsciously, we emulate those uh, comedians. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when I went to so so all the styles are similar here because hmm. because we exist in this sort of a vacuum. I mean, there's uh, still innovation. No, it makes sense. No, absolutely. Yeah. It's just we lack but, a diversity, of we course, don't, inherently. We don't have an Emo Phillips. Sure. That's what I'm saying. Who doesn't know Emo Phillips is a... This, you don't know... He's, a, he's, a, he's called the godfather of uh, alternative comedy yeah. in the US. He's uh, like super... F- like super famous in those fringes. Right, so we ha- we don't have because and we don't have alternative comedy because we've only yeah. just defined real comedy or mainstream comedy, let's say. Yeah, yeah. So we've we've figured out how to uh, get the masses. You know what are the topics that uh, all the people will laugh at? Uh, populism in comedy. Mm. There That's is fair. some of That's it fair. there. Sure. Yeah, we are. Or it's better to understand that if you compare it to the opposite, which is alternative comedy speaking to a particular niche yeah. and really heavily, like but, no one else can really but, but enjoy our its style. Scene, right, like, yeah. There's also time for that here. Someday we will have some sort of an alt comedy uh, concept. 
uh, maybe not now, but uh, someday, oh, sure. I think. It happens. That's how, that's we've how tried so much shit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I want to go back to uh, Edinburgh Festival. Yes. And again, see uh, how many different styles there are. Because mm. it's literally, there's 5,000 uh, shows happening in the course of a month, I think. So you just walk on the uh, on the streets and you go into random rooms. And by doing that, I stumbled upon uh, uh, like a comedian who I uh, like I really admire and try to uh, like follow example uh, here. Uh, I think that? I've talked about him. Who's that? Uh, Russell Hicks. Okay, sure. Uh, he basically this uh, dude who doesn't even write for his. Sh- he does entire hour-long sets without fucking pre-prepared material. Uh, that is. F- like to uh to people who know comedy that is they know that it's amazing that's hard that's like it's very hard hard work to keep that mind sharp think of joke think of joke think of joke yeah so i started thinking after seeing him do he show i actually went to see him four times uh just to like absorb as much of uh his genius as i can and then, like, take some of the knowledge back here and then uh, straight out copy him, you know. Uh, not copy, but just see what is possible. Mm. Uh, and that's after seeing him, actually, that's when I started uh, to get really interested in the improvisational side of comedy. And, of course, failing a lot at first. I think by now I even have uh, clips of me improving. That is a tough part of learning to improv and learning to do crowd work is that you're going to bomb, Yeah, I think, even harder you, you, than regular. You got to get comfortable. But again, because I went through the time where I had to write the jokes and cue cards, mm. now I can go in front of an audience in one Moise and without, like, without feeling any anxiety, I can ask the person sitting in the front row, hey, how are you doing? Uh, where do you work at? And something funny will come eventually mm. because I know it will because it has to. <laughs> uh, be, be, but I- even if it doesn't, mm. and the silence drags on, and some, there's some people going like <coughs> at the back, they're coughing. Someone drops a bottle. Oof, that's the worst sound. A silent crowd, and then a bottle falls. <laughs> so you have to start the joke again. Uh, even when I'm in that situation. Mm. Uh, I've been there before. So. Yeah, you know, you know, yeah. sure. It's just like training. It's just going through any sort of training. You have, you so, have done that so and you have, you've got to bomb extra hard though. If I think. you go through that barrier, mm. barrier where you don't feel uncomfortable anymore doing, uh, like improvising in front of crowds, it's not that, it doesn't seem that complicated anymore. Mm. Really, it's just what you're doing when you're hanging out with friends. You're talking and you're always coming up with ideas when you talk with your friends, you know, you can be funny with your friends. Only difference is, instead of one friend, there's 200 people or 500 people. Uh, but you sort of have to, I know you have to fool your brain into ignoring that there's that mass of people there who might be potential employers or <laughs> just people you run out. That but that, and, and, and that's that, that, that single-mindedness that comes from the comedian that I was talking about, that... It doesn't matter. Like I'm gonna. I I think that I still have a little bit of fear in me about what I put out and what I say. I think I still fear a little bit. Yeah. Um. That 
I th- and I, I think that is because I'm not quite a hundred percent a stand up. Mm. That I still have this. I'm still taking you know nice money from some. Uh, they put me in another video. Yeah. You get another gig. You do another hosting for some other thing, and uh, the contributions that hosting make I think ring in the back of my head sometimes when I think about writing something to Twitter. I'm gonna and then sometimes I go like, nah. Like, like, it, and it's not that I'm like, oh, I'd, I'm fear of rocking the boat or something. It's not that. It's just more like you're a comedian writing a joke. Mm-hmm. You have no idea how that's going to be taken. Or even if it's just a terrible, like, I just made a terrible joke about that minority or something. Like, yeah. I just... I said tranny two minutes tranny, into this. you know, right. I wouldn't have, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you need to have a little bit of la- that lack of fear to just go out and do it. I mean, and I still, I, ha- I still have that fear, but it's, it's different like I have that fear when I try to do a an Instagram live <laughs> for a hashtag #mulletbergs. <laughs> uh-huh. You've been you doing know? that really good. So you're doing these. Uh, I, my, it's always rough. Yeah. It's okay, uh, c- because again, I don't see those fucking people mm. who are watching me. I don't see the re- emotions on their faces. That's the only thing I know how to do. I know how to <laughs> read mm. the people I'm talking to and uh scheming them myself to make them laugh you know um i'm gonna get some more water all right man um take a break yeah do you need to go to the toilet i was gonna get some water and shit yeah. let's just take a break let's take a break okay we're gonna a little break this is great yes we've got the water we're going good i want to go back to uh wait when we're getting back on talking about getting back on topics we were talking about Mantas and doing uh, him accused of being joke thief in Lithuania. We yeah, were talking and, about that. And, and it's super like weird to talk about it mm. because... It's like a brother in arms to yeah, us. Cause, he's a fellow uh, comedian. Like I've you know? opened for Mantas. Yeah. He's a very nice... He's actually, a great guy. He's a friend time, of ours. He's a great guy. First time I ran into Mantas uh, when we did a show together in Naba Club in uh, uh, Latvia. First thing he shows me... Uh, he showed me a picture. He had, had just come back from Thailand. Oh, yes. And he showed me videos of him fucking hookers with his friends. Just having a good time. <laughs> Notice how we say we idolize this guy in the first story with him is he fucking Thai hookers. No, because we, we idolize interesting people. It's a toxic masculinity, Daniel. That's what it is. We idolize interesting uh, people. Uh, <laughs> like, or just like nutty people because they're usually f- funny. And Mantas uh, is a, a funny, interesting person, which is why, like, it came to me as a, like, as a shock when someone like edited uh, Mantas's bits uh, next to the comedian's bits that he, like, took, and not just bits, uh, but also like life perspective, life stories, like he uh, took jokes from uh, Nate Pargazzi. Uh, Mm. And like when Nate tells the jokes about, so my father father uh, was a clown. Mantas also apparently has a dad who's a clown. Yeah, the setups and the situations so and that's, a lot. That's yeah. Someone made this video, and then it's yeah. it's like like one of the basically the biggest stand-up comedian in the country. Yeah, so that's identity. And theft. someone's made this yeah video yeah. saying that he's the Dane Cook of Lithuania, that he's you know pinched and, all these bits. And it would be like super easy not to talk about it at all. Like who gives a fuck? Everyone's making money. Everyone's laughing, like, mm. who's really being hurt here? Well, like, I've recently had one one comedian who's been to the politics before. 
uh, this U.S. comedian. I'm not gonna tell his name. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, he he messaged me like saying that hey, so uh, you know my friend uh, Nate Bargatze, he saw the clip and I saw it and now I'm having second thoughts about uh, performing in Lithuania again. Mm -hmm. And so I explained to him like actually they're doing very separate things, like uh, just because. Mantas is stealing jokes doesn't mean that Lithuania doesn't have a legitimate comedy scene with real road warriors uh, just like Estonia mm. they do uh, and so if if if, if you uh, think of disregarding any Baltic country because of seeing that video make it Latvia <laughs> make it just Latvia yeah <laughs> fuck them fucking th hacks but, but 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 right because the Americans don't really understand geography then they start to lump everyone in together. Yeah, the, uh, those uh, Baltic uh, Prairian countries, uh, mm. they take our uh, jokes, you know, in their little vacuums. Yeah. We pump money with, with uh, strange jokes. You know, it's... Uh, it's hard. It, it is hard to deal with because, like, comedians know yeah. as well. Like, we have... If someone comes along to open mic, like, first of all, if they come along to open mic the first time and they're too good the first time... Yeah. You're like, you can just tell. You just like, you can see the rhythm and the pacing and the construction of the bit. You're like, you must be the luckiest motherfucker on the face of the planet if you wrote that for the very first time you wrote stand up. Like, imagine you took up painting and just fucking painted a really good painting the first time. Yeah. Like, not even, not a, like, like a masterpiece, not like, oh, here's the Mona Lisa, but it's like, that's a pretty good painting. You, right? mean, you mean you're hoping that they are stolen bits? <laughs> part of you is hoping yeah okay because it's very hard yes. to accept <laughs> that someone is killing it their first time yeah and you had to work so much sure it's, uh, it's only human uh, you know what i absolutely believe in beginner's luck and yeah. i think it's absolutely that blindness that you don't even understand what the fuck you're getting yourself in for yeah. after the first time you know Oh, you yeah. know what those bright lights, that silence, the whole thing. And so you've always got some concept. And that's why I think the in stand-up, beginner's luck is a real thing. Or you can just skip the whole process by doing uh, Anthony Chesnick's bits <laughs> on stage. Sure. So we can tell that. And yeah, you can tell when someone's uh, new and... Yeah, yeah when, the when comedians usually it's too good, yeah. right? Yeah, comedians usually recognize. Yeah, like if you if if you're thinking of stealing a joke, do you know to you it might not be uh, stealing a joke. You're just telling an anecdote. Sure. That if you're uh, far from comedy, you don't know. That's fine. Uh, but if you start making a career with uh, like intellectual property that is made by other people through hard work, also their own perspective in life. So if you tell their perspective, it's also identity theft. Ooh. Yeah, I said it. That's Actually, it. Rauno said it, and I thought it was <laughs> a good point. Being amongst a group of comedians is like the Shazam of comedy. Yeah. You know Shazam? He's put up to a song, and it can tell you what it is. You know, that that's that no. app, right? So there's an I app. I don't Shaz have a phone. Sh Imagine there was a thing called a smartphone and imagine you had one. All right. And on there, there's an app. I just came up with the smartphone. <laughs> You're amazed at this guy. <laughs> you put that, it, it list, you put the microphone up to the speaker, it listens to the song and it tells you what song it oh, is. Okay. Right? 
That's yeah. what comedians yeah, are. Yeah, comedians are the Shazam. For that, for Shazam, for Shazam yeah. of comedy. They can be like, they don't even like have to know the bit. They'll be like, yeah, I've heard that. Like you're, it's like sitting a whole group of DJs in a room and then playing them a beat. Of course they fucking know where the beat comes from. That's their whole yeah. life. They listen to every kind of music. Or you can't just like you can't just go into a room full of DJs and play some beat you just heard and go, yo, this is my sick beat. And the guy's like, actually that's uh from this artist, you know, that 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 album back there. And you're like, oh fuck, of course, because these are the fucking experts. Yeah. But I I wouldn't even be talking about this topic uh if it were just comedians who noticed it. And I All expected right. mm. There to be just a couple of uh, butthurt comedians, maybe a few butthurt fans mm. who would be sharing this video. And I honestly didn't think like 300 people would look at it. And then like a uh, couple of weeks later, I see like 90,000 views on that Mantis Cutler is a th joke thief video. Huh. And I'm like, what people actually care about this? You know, I'm actually surprised it's so low considering uh, he's a national yeah, star yeah, in yeah, Lithuania. Yeah. Uh, Actually, I talked to Paulius about it, who was super annoyed about <laughs> even being associated right. with it. For better or for worse, I'm thinking yeah. he's not passing judgment there. I don't want to say what Paulius thinks. Not We're not presuming yeah. what Paulius uh, thinks about sorry, this. Sorry, Paulius. Just that he's <laughs> in some way connected right, to it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sure, but, go ahead. But I also think one reason why it hasn't happened in Estonia is because we have the we have the assholes we have the Sanders <laughs> who uh, are never afraid to speak their mind about <laughs> when when someone's being a hack you know because it's valuable information to know sometimes you don't know you're doing another comedian spit and joke theft is something that's very hard to confront another comedian for yeah because it's so such a shameful thing to do in our little circle to be caught with it red-handed uh it's very hard to like not deny that sure and you know it and i think that if you were to do that you know it in your heart of hearts yeah. and we're all i i think we yeah we're all comedians we're all real comedians in this group so we know the mindset and we also know like it's a little bit like it's almost like the dark side mm. like come to the dark side just take someone else's bit it won't be satisfying in fact it'll destroy your soul from the inside out but you'll get the laughs just come yeah. to the dark side you'll get that you'll get the trophy yeah you go go from an award show <laughs> and then your limo window closes <laughs> you see your reflect reflection on the window and you just think, fraud. Fraud. You're a fraud. Fucking fraud. You're not for real. <laughs> how long do you think you're going to keep up the charade? Right. That's how what long? We, how that, long? That's what we're going through no in my brain. You think no one's going to notice? Yeah. No, no, no one's going to notice. All right. Maybe you covered your tracks well. Because you can still, mm. you can still skillfully. You can. Uh, it's much harder than it used to be. Like but yeah, this sure. This is when I heard of, you know, uh, Rainer Wakra. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, the guy with the plagiarism yeah. thing. Yeah, 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 plagiarized his bachelors. That's right. Uh, which, to me, is like, who gives a fuck? It's bachelors. <laughs> you just do it to get it over. They with. do take it awfully seriously, yeah. don't they? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. the thesis is, oh, it's all been plagiarized. This person, throw them out of all the things. Yeah. Like, what? Tell uh, me how much of a shit you gave me, about your bachelor's thesis. To me, uh, I don't give a shit that he uh, did some fucky fuck, you know, copy paste. Yeah. To me, it bothers me. So if you if you're gonna decide you're gonna plagiarize, you're not gonna even do it well. 
you're you're gonna leave coma mistakes <laughs> in there if like and I've never plagiarized myself, of course. Of course. But a friend of mine told me <laughs> that if you plagiarize well, you actually do sixty percent of the work you would have done yeah, okay. by Makes doing sense. the actual work. Makes sense. Because that's the only way. You have to actually think of your you have to make up mistake mm. make up with your head. You have to think of mistakes that are unique to you. And it's a whole art. It's just it's really. very hard in stand up uh, to do it. You've got to sell yeah. some it's like selling someone else's character. I'm yeah. selling you these other lines, this whole like world view. And part of I mean the, the performance is the delivery, is the I wanna make you believe this is me. I'm trying to say this is me. And I don't know, maybe some people are just better actors, like so they're better able to do scripts and stuff like that. Like they you know. Yeah, and if yeah. if you're an actor, do a fucking script. Call it uh, written by. Sure, uh, but then again, okay. Let, look, let's let's go. Art. Let's take a, the uh, someone. Let's say someone in Mantas's position. We're not again not talking about him directly, but someone in that position that is a one of the the top stand-ups in the country. So that also means in Lithuania, there's a little bit of not loads, but a little. You know, he's living a nicer life than what we're living. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, so there's some money involved. There's more status involved. There's, you know, there must be a pressure to keep up. Yeah, the I can't, I can't imagine. It. I've never been in that mm. situation, but people start making those decisions when they are put into uh, positions of uh, responsibility sure. when they're not ready for it. Which I think is most people who are in positions of responsibility, they're not really ready for. It. That's when the decisions start to come because if there's a lot of things on the line, mm. it's easier to like maybe put that bit in your set that you know you heard from somewhere else, but you still wrote it down and you didn't cross it over and you put it in your set and you know, you, you'll, you'll get the laps, you'll get money, you'll get pussy because the payoff is so good that it's understandable why you did it. Mm. It is. Hmm. It reminds me of uh, Patton Oswalt's bit, like everyone's ha hating One Direction because oh, they're they're only doing this shitty music for uh, money and pussy. It, is that really the worst thing that has ever been done for money and pussy? <laughs> pussy. <laughs> it must be, and so so, uh, particularly if if Mantas and, and his friend were doing these fucking stadium tours around Lithuania, that's a lot of you know cheese on the line, and that's a lot of status yeah. and. I don't know if this is one part of the uh, clever... This is why I chose not to be famous. Right. This is the one part <laughs> of the clever move by the way Sander approaches the comedy. Like, that boy don't give a shit about doing yeah. nothing else. Sander lives in his own matrix. Own matrix. And it's great. It fucking works for him, right? Yeah. He writes that show and it's a killer show and bam. And there's not distractions. There's no other bullshit going on around. Uh, you know, it's just doing the best fucking show that he can and without the, the bullshit. Yeah, and I've seen how I lived it at Sander's house for a month and a half. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, he took me in. Sure, yeah, yeah, I know. He's like, like Jesus bringing somebody in. Yeah, and <laughs> under his wing. And I actually saw how the headline act of some country lives, you know. <laughs> just, he doesn't wake up when the alarm clock rings he wakes up when his need for sleep is replenished <laughs> he wakes up when his body no longer needs the slumber you know 
and he just goes downstairs he does his thunder thing you know and i i i go to like school or wherever and i come back and he's still sitting <laughs> no actually this time he's not sitting he's playing a ps4 <laughs> He's in a PS4 position wearing pajamas, which is what he also wears publicly. <laughs> he wears pajamas on stage. He's, that's his act. like, <laughs> And he's just lying there in fetal position and only his thumbs are moving. And I'm, why not just connect your brain to the matrix? Uh, and the only, only time he like the fucking Nosferatu wakes up is when there's a show or a live to do. <laughs> And that's his, that's his life. <laughs> he controls where people go mm. with social media. He goes there. They give him money. Everyone's happy, and that's how he lives. Mm. And that th- that that's a very cool model to uh, copy, because he he has removed, like you said, all that bullshit. And, but I think we only get that privilege because we live in Estonia, for a bunch of reasons, right? Like. Let's say that you were you know, working very hard. You were the first real stand-up to pop in your country. Like, if there was any larger country, there would be so much more money on the line. Yeah. That, and like, could you think Mr. Fucking Pajama Pants on stage would be sitting home playing PS4 if there was, like, big money on the line to be go doing something else? No, we'd probably be go doing that shit instead. Everyone's got a limit, and I guarantee you if, you know... We yeah, could be, we, uh, we could be paid say, more I'm, to sell out a bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm not just saying. That I'm not saying like Sander is super rich or anything. Just saying he can do it. Yeah, yeah. and only that. Only that, right? Right. Yeah. But we get that. There's no way in a bigger market would the premier act in the country be able to sit around and do like it would be much harder because they'd be like, "Hey, you're the most bankable person that we've got. Here's this massive tour. Here's a TV show. Here's something else that's going to make you and I and everyone a lot of money." Would that motivate you to get off the PlayStation 4? And eventually yeah. you'd sit there and go, well, fuck, that is a fuck ton of money. I think I, okay, I'm, I'm going to... That's I, better than sitting on my PlayStation. I, I think Sander still wouldn't get off the PlayStation. <laughs> I, I, I think... <laughs> I think he is uh, very aggressively trying to do only stand-up. Right. Uh, actually, last time I went to visit Sander, he uh, invited me out to... Uh, like he wrote to me at like 12 p.m. It was like the first sunny day of the year, and he wrote, "Hey, we're having a, a barbecue, a barbie, how you call barbie, it? Barbie, mate. A barbie. Fucking barbie." And I, <laughs> I went like I didn't <laughs> eat breakfast. Cause I was I was ready for barbie, you know. <laughs> I didn't eat breakfast. You were saving, weren't you? I was. Saving. You were like, I'm gonna save one I, okay, meal. I, on didn't, this I didn't have breakfast, <laughs> but I didn't eat <laughs> because I had. Uh, Thought I'm gonna eat the barbecue. Of course. So I uh, <laughs> I go to uh, Sanders' place, mm-hmm. and he had fired up the smoke uh, grill, and I asked like, "So when's the meat ready?" He says, "Oh, in seven hours." <laughs> and <laughs> so for seven hours, he's just standing there with a like pajama, handling the meat, and that's that was that his day. He's a, well, he's a he chef. Was, He's a yeah. professionally trained chef. That's he's a professionally trained chef, but that's such a like a weird thing to look at an adult man, almost thirty year old man, <laughs> wake up at uh, like twelve p.m. <laughs> what what should I do today? I'm only gonna make food, mm. and I'm <laughs> just some meat, mm-hmm. and then I'm gonna stand in the smoke, 
and I'm gonna eat the meat and I'm gonna go to bed and close my eyes <laughs> and the cycle continues. It's a weird thing to look at someone who works in Maxima. <laughs> it's like, I think that's literally how kings lived. Yeah, okay. But now there's Wi-Fi too. He's a Sander is a ridiculous person, <laughs> and I hope he hears it. <laughs> you're a, you're a, ch <laughs> you eat like a child. <laughs> you're like an, but that's the life you want to be an adult child. Fuck yeah, that's what we want. That's kind of what we're doing here. We don't want to. I mean, yeah. what is that all? If we don't want to do that office an job, an adult child that. with access to drugs mm. and privacy. <laughs> that's I've got that's my the goal. Room, <laughs> yes. Um. Mm. I've never seen run Sander run or even uh, walk <laughs> faster than normal. I had never seen him. Right. But like I've heard that he has run. Okay, you've heard reports. Like he's told me a story of when during summer tour when our bus broke down and the fluid started leaking on the asphalt. He said and like he was sweaty when he told me that. <laughs> Like that's supposed to convince me <laughs> that he ran across a uh, half of Tartu, and I still don't believe him. I've never seen him run. <sighs> like, if he went on a bus, and the bus was like uh, coming a little early, maybe, mm -hmm. and it's ten seconds from the bus uh, uh, break, and he only has to run for two seconds to make it on the bus, he's not gonna run on the bus. <laughs> He's not going to make it on the bus. Also, he's not going to take a bus. <laughs> you know why? Because he has Herik. Going to name drop that as well. <laughs> Another person. Oh, dude, I'm just... Without who we wouldn't be where we are. That is absolutely true. It's huge, Thank you, Thank you Helik. Huge for kudos to Helik. She drives uh, Sander and all of us around loads yeah. of places. But uh, no, I'm just giving you the rope to fucking hang yourself, brother. I'm just like, I'm just peeling off bits of rope here right now. Would you like a bit more? Would you like a bit more? Yeah, that's that, that's what I tell them. <laughs> Would you like a bit more? Yeah, let's get more. It is. I don't know. I like this life. I yeah. think this is good. I like as we get. I don't know. As time kind of goes on, kind of doing more. Yeah, when you identify the things that you really want to do, and you can I just have, do them. I have this weird contrast in my life right now, mm. of doing these big theaters in the evenings, and then going to fucky fucks boring ass university in the morning. Okay, why is that different? Why? It's so hard to switch from this uh, life of uh, rich emotion. And, I'm glad you uh, said emotion at the end of that sentence. Of, uh, of uh, emo <laughs> no, no one's, you know, no, no real richness, you know. But if, hey, man, you like those fucking free bananas, okay? Yeah, I love them. I <laughs> store them. I actually found out a great recipe. Uh, you take the show bananas. Every, every show, there's bananas at backstage. That's the rule here. Mm -hmm. We've made up. Yes, we made a rule. Yeah, we made there's a rule. There's waters and bananas there's waters, and chocolate. bananas and Carl backstage. <laughs> Every show, they're all there. Yes. And uh, I, I save the bananas up and I, le I let them sit a while at my home until they turn black. Because mm. uh, s uh, stale banana, not stale, but... Very ripe. Ripe, very yeah, ripe. Very ripe. A soft banana uh -huh. is the most delicious Oh, it's but very sweet. So it's if you put that in the freezer uh, and let it freeze, it tastes better than ice cream. 
Okay. I'm not kidding. It tastes better than banana ice cream. Well, That's and then you let it freeze, and then it, uh, it deep freezes on, thaws a little bit, and then you eat that yeah. like straight up, is it? Straight from the fridge. Yeah, okay. That's why I'm opening for Sunday. I need food, <laughs> you know. You can get a free meal yeah, of bananas backstage. Start a Patreon right here. That's a very interesting one. Would everyone... Does... Only a few Estonian creators have Patreon. Now we're going yeah, in a wild one. I think, one. I think uh. it's going to take a while to, for it to catch on here. Oh. Uh, or will it? I fucking shit like this. I think, is this just like the bucket? Does this just take someone to own it? And maybe go like, we should make an online bucket. Maybe. Which is the Patreon. Just right now. Like on like... Is what it would take to get Patreon kicking in Estonia is someone to just go, I'm all in. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Let's go. You guys are hip. You're international. You know how it works. Fucking boom. Like the same thing with Bucket. Just take it and own it. But it's going to take someone to prove it first, I think. I mean, I know some people are using it, but I don't know how like kind of balls out they are about it. Yeah. At the end of the day, those who uh, get success are those who uh, innovate somehow. Like, uh, th- this whole Nublu fame is because he's this guy and he found this new way of doing it in our language and I imagine there's rappers next to Nublu who have been doing it for 10 years and they've been doing everything right mm-hmm. and they're actually very good uh, but they're not they're not seeing the 10th of the fame Nublu reached in a week mm-hmm. uh, that he still has 50% but, but magic. Yeah, 50%. That's the magic part. That's, that's the, the magic. 50% magic. You, This is why also you don't steal. Because if Nublu would have like stolen his lyrics or whatever, I guess beats are all, uh, you know, they're, everyone uses the, uh, beats and it's okay in the music industry. Because mm. jokes don't have a real listening value. But music does. So I think it's different with music because of that. But uh, yeah, Nublu... By being original, by being his authentic self, found this new way of doing something that I imagine people are going to copy now, you know? But those people who are going to copy, they're not going to come up with the next the next way of doing something. Well, there's, there might be the difference between copying and influencing. Yeah. We keep on influencing the next generation of artists with that, but are you... Are you just straight up? Some people, I think, and but I think a lot of you kind of intrinsically know: is an artist straight up copying, or are they influenced and therefore pushing the art form forward? Yeah, it's easier to uh, be a com- an open micer now. Like to get back to the topic. Oh yeah. Uh, do open micers nowadays have a road to success, or does it stop with uh, like tour spots that are already full? Hmm. Uh, that we can't feel anymore. Uh, really, like it really doesn't. Uh, fuck, I lost my train of thought. No, okay. So so the, the thing that we're talking about, everyone, is that, um, you know, we've already got seven serial killers up top, right? Who that you can send into any show and you know those guys are going to do well, you know, pretty much all the time going to do well and it's going to be, and even if they're not, they're professional, they know how to get through it. So that's like a full show. We They're, they're killers in their prime. And so they want to do shows. Yeah, no one has a reason not to kill. Yeah, they, they want to do shows. But now what I think is happening, we were talking about the other day, the way that the new open micers are coming up, so, are progressing so much faster than we did. Yeah. 
Yeah, and oh, it, that's a topic right, now I remember. Right, because uh, we we have figured out to some extent yeah. the formula like, and the ways of talking and, and all you guys, the ways of talking that they have like, right, we've got it. Cool, yeah, yeah. let's do it. The shit we had to, uh, we got away with mm. when performing stand-up, it was unforgivable. Like some <laughs> of the jokes we did and I resent the crowd for even then laughing at it. <laughs> Uh, so, like so, so Savisar is box, haha, and people still laughed and applauded. Bless them, you know, God bless them. Uh, but nowadays, if that's who I think you're talking about. There was more context though at that act, but yes. Okay, so nowadays, uh, but me, me also. Okay. Uh, but nowadays the crowds, uh, they know what stand up is now because of the foreign act coming here. Uh, foreign acts coming here and the uh, local acts getting uh, better so now they n- actually know what's good and what's not and the open micers have to be better with their first set or the first 30 sets now than you had to be uh, five years ago right we could suck balls back yeah then. and and trust us we did <laughs> <coughs> so yeah you've got a Sure, so they've kind of got... I mean, and it's not to say you can't be original. It's not to say you can't come up with your own style or whatever, but it's, you know, in some ways, like, we've worked out some of the... You know, one way. Here's one way you can do it. If you got your own way, cool. Maybe you want to do that too. Yeah. So, those guys... So, the yeah, the problem is, is that we've got this next, you know, crew coming up, and that's why we had these uh, best of open mic kind of mini tour that was Talon, Tatu, uh, Pardnu, uh, Rakvara and Viliandi and we did that to us specifically so those new comedians could get a chance to do a proper comedy night and see what that's like and I really liked that tour because it had ups and downs so the idea was there was six no no eight no wait six yeah, I feel them. ashamed I didn't go and watch it even though I'm uh, the host <laughs> usually <laughs> there's, uh, there's six but, of but I do watch mm. during the mics so don't think I haven't noticed you Whoever you are listening. <laughs> six of them. Six uh, people from our open mics. Uh, so, uh, what was it? Klaus, uh, Tauri Aim. No, no, Tauri Kula. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tatiana, uh, uh, Kaspar, uh, Renar. And uh, did I miss someone? I totally missed someone. It, there's, there's a lot of uh, new names showing, like, showing uh, I'm potential. Sorry. There was someone else. And then we had Mikhail as, uh, as the host. And mm-hmm. then Rogo was closing. Yeah. And I like that Rogo was closing because he's like a newer comedian as well. He's not, you know, uh, he, he's still quite young. So it kind of fit that vibe. And then you had, you know, old man Mikhail hosting and, you know, hiding some stability to the middle. And we wanted to do that show so those guys would have an opportunity to do that show. And they would get that without having, you know, all, of, all the other comedians butting in and trying to get spots too. And I think it was a really good tour because it gave them a sense of purpose that, okay, we can do this. And we had ups and downs yeah. because the odd thing about all of it, I mean, yeah, when it's 200 people, Adi Mati has just slayed in heel puppy. This is not a genuine open mic experience. It's, I imagine it must because when I emcee people on stage in Colm uh, Dilly, mm. then I imagine that must be a horri- horrifying experience for the new micer because there's, there's like 300 people there. Yeah. There's like a million people there. And the people at the back are all talking and they're uncomfortable. So you you can lose their attention so fast. And to be first time 
doing a set there that must be the tougher part of do, uh, coming up in the scene now sure so there's that so that's what the the tour was good for right yeah um because talent had nice attendance uh tato had nice attendance and then we went to Parano, and the best of open mic in Parano had 37 people which hey is still show and don't get me wrong so here's the thing no problems with 37 absolutely no problems but it's very good that they got to experience that that not every show gets packed out bro that not every show instantly that just like the 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 proof that just putting the comedy estonia brand and logo on something doesn't make people come yeah. right on cool i like it that way and so that they got to experience what it was like to eat a bit of shit in front no, of a small no, no, or not audience. Not to talk shit, but I think the room would have filled if you've literally written no names in the description because then you op- open up the possibility right. that anyone could go on but stage. Then you just, but then you're just implying. You're going, yeah, yeah possibly Mika, <laughs> yeah, possibly. possibly. Hey, Ari's in fucking Canada, but it might yeah, be him, might, right? That's yeah, yeah. not, yeah, that's something get, different. Get some salty audience members. So they got that. And then we went to uh, Viliandi. And there was like 21 people in yeah. Cheers. Mika told me about it, how at the, the, uh, <laughs> like the whole uh, stage room was so cold mm. that people were wearing jackets. That's already the first thing of uh, running a show. Room has to be room temperature. At least. <laughs> at least room temperature because uh, the colder people are, the warmer they're not going to be. <laughs> Yes. Uh, it's, uh, sound like one of, but that's also an experience that micers don't get nowadays. Uh. Bombing the really hard sets. I bombed in William for so long until I like f- s- uh, slowly started figuring out. Because even in different cities, the audiences are different. Even in Estonia, for some reason, I had a feud with William. They were super stuck up because probably they are, you know. That's right. And uh, fuck you, William. I love you. Yeah, so Viliandi was yeah, so Viliandi was this uh, the back room in Cheers was really cold and that was just kind of the weather and we did the like regular things. It wasn't Cheers' fault. Um, we did the regular things that we do to heat that room and it didn't heat up and people had to sit there in their jackets and it's just the worst shit yeah. trying to listen to comedy. So, but I'm really glad they had that experience. They learned how to fucking eat shit in front of 20 people in a cold room in Viliandi and everyone they all dealt with it really well, and I like that. And I, I look. I, to be fair, probably we've set a very high expectation by now that it's like you better be fucking good with this. Yeah. Like we don't want to hear no friggin' complaining. Uh, and then the last night in Rockford was really good. There was like fifty people in Rockford downstairs at the Kulturikeskus and a little old Rockford all the way out there. Yeah, Rockford is the real MVP. It's a real. Some people are during summer tour. It's a real center. Of they drive from Rockford to Wusu. Yeah, right, to see. Just to see the show yeah. uh, again. Yeah, Rockford's really nice. So yeah. it worked. So they had the final night. Uh, was a really nice show in a really nice town in Rockford. So I'm really fucking happy that worked. And I think a lot of... One of the ways that we've already got to this thing was that... Um, because Ari's in Canada and every night he's posting Instagram stories of like eating, you know, fucking killing and ki- trying his heart out in front of like three people in some shitty bar while there's like basketball on in the background or something. Right, right. And we all see, I think we all saw that. We went, we can't complain. Yeah. There can be no complaining. We do have that. uh, Even if you're not that good, you can still have the Roman Emperor moment. 
Yeah, right. You yeah. can still feel what it's like for uh, 200 people to like you for five minutes. Mm. And you know, that can help in other aspects of your life. Yes, can, yeah. it, can it, Daniel? Like tin- and other aspects of your life can happen. Like Tinder uh, lives? Um, <laughs> yeah, Tinder. I have a weird thing where mm? I only get matches in Tartu. Because... <laughs> Well, first off, my t- uh, like Tinder game is uh, horrible from the like get go. Okay. I, like all my pictures are uh, with me alone, so it looks like <laughs> I have no friends because that's the truth. Are you, are you gonna need some uh, recognition? Is what uh, you? No, I need someone else to take the photos <laughs> because like they want to see both your hands. You know, <laughs> I don't know why I say all, it like that. All hands both on deck. Both your hands. Like bungholeo. Yeah. I am gone all all. You see, my friend is taking the photo. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, Tartu is weird because oh, you, your beard went against it. Oh yeah, like that's right. Oh, I should do those, those things I shouldn't do. Yeah, that must be super annoying. <laughs> Just did it myself, my beard. <sighs> but uh, yeah, Tartu is actually one of those cities where like, I don't go out much, mm. but when I do go out, like last week I went out with Roger's uh, Kaitseva buddies and just the amount of people who come up to you is like very surprising. Mm. Like, where are you when I'm selling a solo show? <laughs> you know, <laughs> where the fuck are you then? Are you just seeing free shows? Why are you at least being sh- putting shit in the bucket? It's because they're students with no money yet. Soon they're going to have money. Bro. My blood and sweat. Soon they're going to have money. Don't worry about yeah. it. It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually remember I was uh, at uh, Naive with Roger. And I guess the Tartu bar people, which is basically Tartu people. They know us very well, so there I feel like, uh, like that's what it feels to be like a recognized face. <laughs> so, this uh, pretty chick com- comes up to us and says, "Like, hey, I just wanted to say, I appreciate uh, so much what you do and blah blah." And so you know, I I I, I hugged her and you know she hugged oh, me back. Bold move. Yeah, bold move. Uh, and tequila, you know, <laughs> and uh, like and as she sees that, oh, he wants to keep the conversation up and <laughs> she was like eh, and like turned away and walk, walked off yeah and i'm like you know what this was overall still a positive experience yes you know absolutely was Maybe she was just coming up to you to say she doesn't want to fuck me mm-hmm. but she appreciates the jokes hey. and that's really enough because <laughs> <laughs> because i have a mullet and un- I understand. Well, maybe if you grew the mullet, then she would, you know, she would be uncontrollably sexually attracted to you then. You're being coy again. No, 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 You're totally. Being cheeky. That's why, that's, look, let me tell you, you know, from the years of experience. <laughs> right, man. <laughs> Louis was always was the worst wingman. I'm the worst. Y- the worst. Are you ki- Like, <laughs> when I was 16, I always asked uh, uh, for uh, Louis about advice on how to get women <laughs> because to me like i'm this awkward 16 year old kid with three shirts on right lewis is this fucking captain america faced <laughs> like he, he looked like a playboy you know uh to me <laughs> looked like right? <laughs> right so i always like i see him as this uh uh you know, uh, this, this uh, uh, a father figure almost oh, okay who uh, gave, gave all this advice but it's very hard to take dating advice from you know a, a, a handsome man such as Lewis 
because it's like uh <laughs> like you're a monkey and you ask a fish how to swim you know <laughs> it's gonna be a different experience for you you think so okay. yeah yeah All right. and also <laughs> when louis would agree to be a wingman like after the shows when you can actually fool some women that you have sex appeal you know you get that magic that 30 minutes is nice and you can't yeah. change the venue yeah. Who came up with that theory at the beginning that you you've got to uh you can't change the venue. You've got to stay in the same place. Yeah. Otherwise you lose yeah, the magic. Soon as soon as a woman who liked you five minutes ago, soon as something, you know, distracts her, mm-hmm. like a dog scares her. <laughs> You're out. Immediately. She's out of the Her mood is down. Because women are like fish, you know. Yes. They see <laughs> I'm really glad this the, is at the, the end of the, the podcast the newest, and maybe not everyone's made it to like the end. In a good way. I, <laughs> I'm saying women in the dating world, they're like fish. Uh-huh. Or maybe I'm just really shitty bait. Uh, <laughs> okay. Because like, th- they go after the last uh, shiny object that uh, <sighs> flew past their nose. You know what? Here's the thing. I would literally go. I would want to. I would want to berate <laughs> you for this opinion. But this this view, this view, ladies and gentlemen, is actually way more tolerant than he used to be. Like yeah. this is real progression for this guy. Like I'm actually impressed. Like oh, oh no, th- there's uh, like negatives to uh, men in dating. You know, <laughs> no. such as rape. You know, that's a bad don't. thing that happens. But uh, yeah, I I don't tone down my. <laughs> I don't. I don't hate anyone Ooh. except for you know mm. anyone not white <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what to say <laughs> this comedy oh. uh, left turn it's all what comedy is about I don't know how to reconcile the two ideas that Estonia is becoming Wait, I was gonna say while I'm oh, okay. sorry. Go ahead. Write, I was gonna say why you're a shitty wingman. Okay. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah, because this one time you agreed that I'm gonna, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach you. You know, you're gonna come. We're gonna go next to a lady, and I'm gonna like, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna lift your image, okay. uh, for her. I'm gonna lift you up. Oh, like okay. Yeah. Wingman. Uh, I'm. I'm. Maybe I'm gonna look silly. Because that's what a wingman does. He puts his own ego aside to help a brother out. Mm. So, Louis Wingman in. I'm walking towards a lady, me, 16-year-old, walking with my friend next to me who looks like a Roman statue. And <laughs> we start talking to them. And two minutes later, I'm out of the conversation. <laughs> and Lu- Louis <laughs> talks to the woman and fucks her in the mouth. That's a bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bad wingman. You don't fuck them in the mouth. I think I assume that's what happened. Sure, I don't remember I the evening, but sure, I probably. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I no, wasn't yeah. there because I wasn't invited. <laughs> but it's good. That's a good story, bro. Yeah, cool story, bro. <laughs> good story. Cool story. We're gonna edit. <laughs> oh, no, the part gonna. Yeah, fuck their mouse. <laughs> hey, you said it, not me. Yeah, I don't mind. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> oh, so fucked. What we're doing? I don't know where to do that. Maybe, maybe we're gonna have to end it on that one. Yeah, fucked in the mouth. We're gonna end it on that oh, one. We did like over in forty minutes. Yeah, we did. Right. Yeah. Right. You stayed to the end just so you could hear fucked in the mouth. Thank you very much yeah. for listening. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> you're very lucky to have me. 
It's a beautiful thing. All right, we're going to wrap it up here. Me. Thank you all for listening again for the next episode of My Comedy Guy. Um, I appreciate that you guys are picking it up and listening to it again. Um, yeah, after a while, you get out of that flow, you know. And uh, if you're not in the flow, just do it. Can all we right? talk about my pay now? Your pay? <laughs> Turn it off. <laughs> yeah. Turn the thing off. I'll give you the five bucks later. <laughs> when you think you're uploading it. All right. All right, everyone. Thank you very much. <laughs> See you on the All next right. episode. Uh, yeah. <laughs>